Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Tracking Shot podcast. I am somebody who is on this podcast named Chris Spencer. I am joined by... Taylor Dotson, another somebody on this podcast. Another somebody on this podcast. Somebody that you used to know. Somebody, but I, well, I mean, I did used to know you. I also currently know you. Some you are somebody that hopefully I will continue to know in the future. So I I'm guess glad you're you feel not that way. wrong. Um, how are you today? It's Ooh. sorry. It's been a very long Monday. That's what I was about to say. I was like, it's a Monday, and it is the most Monday of Mondays. It's quite long. You could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads me into talking about this movie. <laughs> it is the longest Monday of a movie. Yeah, you could ever watch. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic movie, is what I will say. I won't qualify it any more than saying it is a fantastic movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about the leopard. Il gatto pardo. The American version of Il gatto pardo. Il gatto pardo. Mm-hmm. Starring. Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. Earlier I said Burt Reynolds, and Bert. Chris was like, who? Well, I let, it, I let it slide for a second. You were like, yeah, the scene where it starts with, uh, or the scene where he she's dancing with Burt Reynolds. And I'm like. You were like, yeah. I just, I just, I just kind of like leaned, I'm sorry, it was an audio podcast, and I just said, and I just, and I just leaned, expecting yep. them to know. They probably know. But, uh, yeah, that. That one hit me pretty good. <laughs> oh, yes. Because then I was like, am I missing something? And I was like going through the cast list. I'm like, was Burt Reynolds in this movie? <laughs> nope. Burt Lancaster. And he, uh, when I was doing research for this podcast, I saw that uh, he said that this was one of his best pieces of work. Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. Yeah. yeah. And he bought 11 copies of the book to give to his family to read before the movie came out. Wow. Which was... Interesting. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, this movie is very long. Mm-hmm. And to prove that, we're going to talk about the 45-minute ballroom scene. Yeah. It's quite long. There's a lot that happens. Um, and a single tear falls from his eye. A single tear. And, and that... that and... When you said that it is one of his best acting he felt performances, like it yeah, was his, yeah, one of his, yeah. Um, that was the first scene that came to mind. Yeah, because it is such a ambiguous sort of scene, and 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 that that him crying that tear suggests so much about what happens in that movie. Yeah. And it, and it suggests so much, and it could suggest many things mm-hmm. that the movie does not feel the need to explain, thankfully. Um, but yeah, in, the, in that 45-minute scene, there's some very good music, and very varied music, mm-hmm. I would say. So, all of the music in this film was by Nino Rota, uh, and the orchestra Franco Ferrara. Sorry, every name that I'm going to pronounce is going to be like the widest pronunciation I could well, give because Italians I don't. Are. are Italians white? That's a that's a hot topic. Ben has a book on it. If you'd like to read it, he wrote a book on it. No, he owns oh. a book about it. Um, that was a hot topic in uh, the course when we took it. 
I this is not the place to talk about this. It's not. So <laughs> um, I would like to read that book though. That would be interesting. It. Uh, I can't remember if it was a book or a uh, just like a an extended like an article, article yeah. or something. Scholarly S- journal. Some tort. Some some tort. Some, some type of uh, writing about it. He owns. Um, Nino Rota. Nino Rota. Franco and Ferrara. Ferrara. Frank, yeah. Ferrara. So. Um, oh, ideals. Wait, hang on. <laughs> not quite. Stepping uh, on cultures. <laughs> there's a, a track list for the songs for Il Gato Pardo, uh, and there's ten songs, um, the longest of which is ten minutes and 44 seconds, and I'm going to assume that that is the song that Bert and um, Ernie. The, the daughter <laughs> is his niece or his daughter it's his niece it's his niece Niece. that they dance because they dance for the longest amount of time to the song um and it's Isogni del Principe um and it's kind of funny because Google classifies these as pop songs when they're very much oh um orchestral yeah, I mean, they were popular at the time. I suppose. Potentially. At the time that these were made? I suppose. 1968? 63. 63, excuse me. I don't know why I thought 68. Um, yeah. So, Nino Rota. Let's talk a little bit about him. Neat guy. Giovanni Nino Rota. Giovanni is his real first name. Nino was his... Um, Nickname. Uh, he was an Italian composer, pianist, conductor, and academic who is known, who's best known for his film scores. Um, he did a lot of films for Fellini and Visconti. Um, some of his most known movies, uh, he did all three Godfathers. Um, there was a third Godfather? I think I've blocked it out of my memory. You know what's? But I, I, this we're, we're going to talk about the Godfather eventually. But I do yeah. have to mention this. I've seen all three of the Godfather movies, but I've seen the third one more than I've seen either of the first two. Yeah, you talked about that in episode zero. Did I really talk about that in episode zero? I'm you sorry. Did. It's such a tragic, tragic thing that is a fact a about part me. of your life. But uh, Rota also did La Dolce Vita, Eight and a Half, <laughs> La Strada. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. Lots of good stuff. A- Amarcord, which is another Fellini movie. Um, his earliest was um, Tourist Train in 1933. Wow. Um, that was like not long after sound started. Like was big in movies. I mean, yeah. 20, I think, oh, man, I'm going to step on my own toes here. 28 was the jazz singer? Uh, um, sounds right um raffaello matarazzo was the director of the tourist train in 1933 okay but um yeah so that's the the mind behind the music for Igato Pardo the leopard um he has lots of compositions lots of movies i lost the Wikipedia article that I was looking at originally. I apologize. Um, something that kind of took me out of 
listening to the music in that ballroom scene was the fact that this movie was dubbed. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is a there is a non-dubbed version though, right? Mm-hmm. And the American version was also cut down, I think. Well, the the reason that it's dubbed, and the students in Ben's classes listening to this already know this, um, was because at that time they would just pick actors that they thought could bring in money from each country, yeah. which is why Burt Lancaster is in it. Um, so like, there's different oh, versions of the film, right? With but each actor was speaking their own language. Right. So no one was actually, like, talking to each other. Yeah. They were just reading their lines in their own language. Like Tower of Babel style, almost. Yeah. Like, that's, huh, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty neat stuff. Um, so, something really cool about the ballroom scene is that they did a really good job of actually having like the orchestra in the ballroom and then when they went to other rooms in the building the music was fainted so it was actually like you were moving to from room to room with them yeah and there wasn't like another track on top of the scene the music that you heard was the music that was being played in that building yeah it wasn't like you didn't hear extra like violin in a sad moment or like extra bass in a like a rumbly moment um i realize that rumbly moment isn't a thing yeah but i think you know what i mean and the and that fits a lot with the movie's sort of naturalist style mm-hmm. the, the whole movie feels very naturalist and, and most mm-hmm. of the film if not all of it takes place in that manner doesn't it i believe so close to because i mean the opening shot is that is the statue like mm-hmm. there, there, there's like a focus pull between the statue and the house in the background I think mm-hmm. um, and so yeah w- w- the way that that like diegesis works of that very long and varied piece of music really does sit well with the style of the movie mm-hmm. um, I didn't mean to distract from no you're fine um, the I was going to say something no I completely forgot it. Oh, uh, something cool about the music for this was that it was, obviously, we already discussed it, it was made specifically for this film, um, but it was popular music of the time, so it wasn't like um, Gangs in New York, which we talked about last week, where Scorsese took music that could have been popular in the time and then added pop on top of yeah. it to popularize it. It was truly something that you would have heard at that time yeah chronologically correct yeah period accurate I guess is what Mm -hmm. you would say yeah um it was it was ballroom appropriate it wasn't like uh anything that we as an audience would want to see people dancing to it was what the people in in that time would have actually been dancing to yeah yeah and which is more important in a movie like this that is about a real historical situation rather than Gangs of New York being a... I mean, they're both dramatized because they're movies, but Gangs of New York is a fictionalized story that is dramatic on purpose, Mm -hmm. so it uses these different tools to play up that drama, whereas The Leopard or Il Gato Parto... um, 
I started that pronunciation well, and then the end got really robotic. Il gato pardo. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Il gato pardo is, is, is much more about showing political machinations and and the upheaval of war and revolution and so on and so forth. That was happening in 1860 mm-hmm. um, in Sicily. Mm-hmm. So, when we talk about the music, that's another important aspect of it, is that, sure, it's naturalistic, but it's also appropriate to the time, because that's, the narrative is intrinsic to the time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, something fun that Nino Rota did is he included a polka. So there was that polka scene where the, the couples were dancing round and round, and Bert walks like directly down the center of these people dancing, oh, and yeah. they just avoid yeah, yeah, him, yeah. and he's just kind of roaming. Like this is, I can't. I think it's right before he secludes himself and himself and has that that tear, um, where he realizes like just how sad he is. Yeah, um, and it's just it was kind of a funny scene because there there's the upbeat polka esque music. And the people dancing, and they're avoiding him, but not quite, as they're prancing in circles. Yeah. And he's just walking dead center down the middle of the ballroom. It's pretty good. Um, unless you have more to specifically say about the music, I have a way, I have a segue yeah. into relating this music to something else. Another okay. another movie. Yeah. Um, so last night, I, I didn't finish it. I've seen it twice before. But I just recently got the Criterion Blu-ray for a movie called Nashville from 1975 okay. um, by Robert Altman, who did MASH, mm-hmm. uh, the movie MASH, not the series. Maybe he was involved in the series, too. I don't remember. But Nashville is... That movie is a fever dream. <laughs> I love that movie. That movie has 24 main characters. Oh, boy. And it is... I mean, the main character is the city of Nashville. Mm-hmm. But it is 24 people involved in or around the country music scene. Okay. And the way that El Gato Parto uses music in the 45-minute ballroom scene where everything is transitioning and fading and whatnot mm-hmm. and being a part of the environment is very similar to the way Nashville uses its music. There's a scene... Have you been to Nashville before? I'm not. Really? You've never been to Nashville? Um, do you know what I mean when I say the Grand Ole Opry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a scene that takes place in the Grand Ole Opry at a packed house, like mm-hmm. like a packed performance. And this is 1970s Grand Ole Opry, so it's not like groups like Brad Paisley or like people like Brad Paisley. Or right. like that. It's, like, it's not a rock concert. It's a hooting and hollering country music right. type thing. And there, because there's 24 main characters, well, a lot of them are gathered here mm-hmm. at this Grand Ole Opry performance. And there's people. There, there's a there's a guy singing, and his family and people involved with the family are sitting on a set of pews. Uh, man, this is way off topic, but anyways, there's conversations happening all across mm-hmm. the Grand Ole Opry as this music is playing. And and I, I have to imagine that movies like The Leopard were influential to Altman in this 
in the way that it constructs that diegesis of the music. Mm-hmm. Because not only is the music happening in the scene and happening around all the characters, but the music is also part of the narrative. Yeah. The, the music of, like I, like we mentioned earlier, the music of Il Gato Parto is period correct. Mm-hmm. And it also plays up the sort of um, bourgeoisie... Uh, <laughs> words the, the bourgeoisie like like mentality of the people hosting this giant party yeah and in Nashville it is a movie about people in and around the country music scene so and the discussions that are all happening are like hey we want we want you and your dad to come perform at this political rally or we want or, or the, a young woman coming to try and get her record played on the radio and, and so on and so forth and meet all these people. Mm-hmm. And, and when you watch, in, in 2019, when you watch a movie like The Leopard or Agato Parto, it's hard to see why it was so important. Mm-hmm. It's hard to look at it and say, oh, sure. I've seen tons and tons of movies like this. But then when you start to look at the other movies that were happening in 1963, um, in, in the late 1950s, and I'm not saying they're any worse, but the cinematic and, and editing techniques and sound techniques in El Gato Parto are really fascinating compared to what's going on around mm-hmm. then. So that was a really long way to get around back to that. Um, yeah. I just kind of wanted to talk about Nashville because I really like that movie and watched a little bit of it last night. Um, While you were talking about that, it it reminded me that I wanted to say that it's really interesting from a cinematography standpoint to understand that like that orchestra had to pick up from the exact spot that they were on when he left a certain room to go into another right. room. Like for us, we're just following him and assuming that everything's the same but when you go from room to room or scene to scene or shot to shot you have to move camera equipment and you right. have to move your crew and you have to do all of these things so everything had to stop and then resume and then however many times they had to reshoot and refilm a scene it, the the orchestra did a really great job of right. being seamless when he walks from room to room you don't like there's obviously that that cut mark where you hear the music change right. from one room to another, but you don't really notice it as much as if you were to analyze it in the way that we are now. Right. The performance, so the performance doesn't change, just how we're hearing it changes. Yeah. And, and even from a post-production, like, like obviously, yeah, like what you said, the production standpoint of having to relocate everybody and, mm-hmm. and have them play again that is in itself very difficult but then even from a post-production standpoint of when you're cutting this literal film Mm -hmm. um and lining this up exactly right like it was it was uh celluloid celluloid no you were right celluloid is in your thighs yes i got really confused (laughs) for a second okay you had burt reynolds i had celluloid we're good we we, we're we're on the same page now um Uh, Yes, yeah. celluloid. So yeah, that, I didn't even think about that with the time point, but uh, yeah, that makes it even even harder. And I mean, you could well, no, you couldn't because there's dialogue and stuff. But I was gonna say you could. I don't know. 
just thinking about it now, that film had to be incredibly specifically that scene, but that film yeah. in general had to be very difficult to make. And and that was such a shame. That what's such a shame about it is that it did get so cut down in its original production like mm-hmm. it, it was it was heavily edited and changed and censored a little bit I think is what I read I, I can't remember um, and I think what I read earlier is in 2010 there was a restoration of it presented at might have been might have been con can I don't even know how it's pronounced mm-hmm. that film festival mm-hmm. um, that has sort of recreated what the original intent of the movie is uh, yeah, so all in all, definitely a movie that is heavily reliant on the music. And one that has been a foundational use of music, diegetic music, in movies even today. I mean, something like Birdman. Birdman, for most of the movie, you don't think the music's diegetic, and then there's one weird scene where you see, it's a, it's like a percussion-only soundtrack, drums-only soundtrack, and it's just playing all the time, and then in one shot, the camera sweeps, and you see a drummer playing the soundtrack. Um, but it is that kind of thing of, like, you slam doors, and the music changes, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It is... I can't say this is the first movie to do it this way, but it was an early one of that. Yeah. I don't know. And, um, I mean, obviously, Nina Rota working with Fellini and Visconti, like, they were people who set the tone for for things. Yeah, absolutely. In, in cinema. Absolutely. So, um, even if it was done before, they, they, they perfected it. Yeah. So, they might not have invented the wheel, but they perfected it. So, I managed to make this to find a spot in this podcast to talk about Nashville, which is almost completely unrelated to this movie. Yeah. But I somehow missed the opportunity to talk about Eight and a Half, which is related to this movie, and that it is the same composer. Yeah. How did I do that? I don't know, but this podcast would be too long if it you would didn't be talk too about long. Eight and a Half. It would be Eight and a Half Hours Long. Wow. Da, 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 da. No. Um, <laughs> well, he did the music for Godfather, so I'll find time to talk well, about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's, I really wanted to focus on the ballroom scene here. Um, yeah. Because it's the most important, I think, in the movie, in the three hour film. Yeah. <laughs> um, the rest of the film is pretty typical music for the time. Um, not that the, the music in this scene wasn't, but, um, I felt that this scene had more to talk about than the rest of the film. So. Yeah, and, and it's it's emblematic of the way the rest of the film works, too, mm-hmm. with its music. And I think a lot of people, when they think of this movie, they think of the ballroom Absolutely. scene. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about The Leopard. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts? Any final spots? Get it? Because it's a leopard? All right, folks, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm I'm Chris Spencer. And I'm Taylor Dodson. And I'm gonna go recover from that joke. Bye. Bye. Bruh. I hit the stop button. <laughs> Make us start working. <laughs> not sit on my ankles like this.
My foot still hurts, man. These little uh, angel babies. In oh socks, man! They were peeking out of my boot earlier, <laughs> and it was really funny because I was on the bus and I saw someone like looking from down the bus. Just my squinting. little angel baby on my boot. Angel my baby. baby on my boot is my new <laughs> album title. Is that your new Twitter name? It's my new short film. Angel baby on my boot. <laughs> God. Starring Burt Reynolds. <laughs> now I'm going to say Burt Reynolds in this. And I, it'll be funny because I will correct you and I'll be like, excuse me. Are we ready? Are we ready? Aye, aye, Captain. Adam Levine. Oh, God. Don't start your <laughs> ASMR garbage. Uh, it's um, a sex thing. Um, okay, we're gonna roll in. Three, two, one.